hunters and welcome to the Hunter's Hub. Uh, today we are still focusing on Iceborne. Um, we are going to talk about Iceborne's story. Um, beginning, middle, end, and what we think about it. Uh, this is Fort One uh, reporting in and with me is Haru. Hello. I'm ready to get to the narrative. <laughs> yeah. And uh, we will uh, like to thank Wolfie Mellon for the music, and um, yeah, so obviously heavy spoilers if you have not finished Monster Hunter World Iceborne's story. Um, we are going to go through the whole thing, um, and yeah, it'll it'll be extremely spoilerific, and but I don't. I mean, we try to avoid, you know. We're, Obviously, if you listen to last week's episode where we talk about the final boss and a little bit after, um, as far as monsters goes, it was spoiled. But, like, I don't know how many people actually care about the cutscenes and the actual story that's said here because it's not it's not going for any sort of best story awards. The Game Awards this year or anything, I would say. But who knows? Only we'll best see. RPG. So, um, yeah. to start things off... And, uh, that felt so. That felt so wrong. <laughs> by the way, when it won, just like off screen, like, "Hey, here you go." That's like it's just what? arbitrary. Um, yeah. So first off, we are exploring the ancient forest, and we see a, a we hear a song that as these Legiana are migrating in mass uh, across the ocean to the hinterlands, and they're preyed on by this mysterious mm-hmm. elder dragon that we've definitely seen in the trailers. But regardless, um. Yeah. So the research base uh, sets off for the hinterlands. It's uh, but it's stymied by a blizzard and strong winds, and the handler briefly drops this moonstone shard that may be important later. Uh, and they decide to foreshadowing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, they decide to jump out of the airship, and again they're beset by strong winds and crash land. Uh, this se- seeming familiar to anyone. Uh, and yeah, they fight a Baytotus and find a landing spot in the Horfrost Reach. Okay, okay, back up a little bit. There's a moment in the story here that I've been wanting to talk about for a while. Mm-hmm. So you're you're out there with the Master of the Third Fleet, right? Yeah. On the airship. You basically convince them to take the broken ship, which is such a weird design. Like a half-broken ship that they just balloon across the <laughs> So cool, ocean. though. But anyways... Ridiculous. It looks cool. It's just, I don't know, make a new ship. Like, there's enough wood. We'll get to that. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so, like, you're out there, and she's like, we have to turn back. It's too choppy. And then the handler looks at the at your hunter, and she's just kind of like, well, I guess we're done. And, and the hunter's like, nah, fuck that. I'm jumping off the boat. <laughs> Just the moment where he's just like, are you crazy? Do you know who I am? I'm going to do something stupid and risky. Bye. Like, <laughs> yeah, there are that a few moment was just like, awkward conversations whoa. with like very rough dialogue or, or, or like um, just the silent protagonist problem where you're having a conversation that's not really yeah. a conversation. It's just like a diatribe. Yeah, well, I think... As far as this situation goes, it worked out just fine. 
But the way that they just like nodded each other, like, yeah, we're totally going to ignore everybody and just do what we want. And I'm like, whoa, okay. But yeah, okay. It's just funny because like, you know, they, throughout the story and all the DLC of World, they really find ways to just sort of like prep you up as a hunter. Like, you're the Sapphire Star. He's our best. Or, you know, she, if you're playing a girl, I guess. Like, they're our best, you know, hunter and da-da-da. But the one that annoyed me the most was, uh, in some ways, was the Witcher content when they're, like, referring to you as hunter constantly. Although I do like they're basically like, hey, um, Hunter's taking care of all the big monsters so Geralt can go find the Leshen. Um, but anyways, it's all on a side. I just, that moment stuck out to me, like, immediately, where the Hunter's like, I don't care what you just said. We're jumping off this boat, and we're gonna get down there one I way mean, or why, another. Why, why should he care. be afraid? He doesn't take fall damage. <laughs> so, <laughs> we get here, and they build Celiana literally in a, in a cut, in, in one scene transition. And it's it's basically all done. It just has scaffolding sure, on stuff. Yeah, it's. I mean, yeah, it feels very fast. Uh, it is kind of. I would assume that it is a bunch of time skips. Like it's just like a lot of time has passed because there's no way that was built in like a day. You know, as yeah. they say, Celiana wasn't built in a day. It it just Rome, didn't whatever have the resources to do like. A billion different construction stages of the city. Um, right. So we go out to hunt a Banbro in the newly unlocked uh, middle regions of the Horvast Reach to secure a supply route uh, from the coast to Saliana. Um, and then the commander displays his nepotism and nominates his son to lead Saliana, or his grandson. Now, I kind of don't agree with you too much. Yeah, I mean, technically it is nepotism, but they have been propping him up as another leader for a long time in the cutscenes and that kind of thing. Um, and it seems, you know, as far as in the context of how just not so great the story is at times, they have been setting him up for this position as far as, like, him, like leading the team and leading meetings and that kind of stuff constantly. Like I could see that. And of course, yeah, I mean, it's not like, it's not like shown in the entirely best way, but I don't feel like, like who else is he going to appoint? Well, we'll get to some more rules in the monster Hunter universe, but uh, no one follows them. Suffice to say. Um, well, I just like, I don't, I don't see who else it could have been. Like, I don't know anyone else that was sort of groomed to be a leader. Everyone else kind of like, hey, I'm the blacksmith guy. I don't understand why he's a leader of the Second Fleet. I just know he's really good at being the blacksmith people. Like, eh. Like, I don't don't see anyone else taking up that mantle. Hmm. Um, so... Anyways. After we hunt a uh, a Fulger Tobikodachi, Viper Tobikodachi... Uh, the tracker and you find a cavern inlet where a shipwreck sailed in from sea and is frozen mm-hmm. there. And they were explorers. It's a vestige of explorers uh, searching for the new world before the first fleet even. And they found writings right. uh, about a song and monster behavior becoming erratic, uh, as well as a moonstone shard 
that matches the one the handler's grandfather gave her. Um, just then, the hunters are called back to Astera uh, for defense against the uh, erratic monsters that are happening uh, in the present day. And the handler wants to stay with the tracker and research here while the hunter returns with the serious handler uh, to Astera. Now, I think I think that this is going to be like a point where everyone was just like cheering, like as much as like I'm like okay, there's a little too much hate on, you know, our handler. What are like, like whatever you call our handler, the handler. But pronouns are confusing. Yeah, like yeah, the, the serious handler, I think is fine, right? But I don't think that she is any like better or worse than like what we don't like about the handler maybe except the facial animation that everyone seems to hate i guess like but it's not like a big like to me like a lot of people were just like oh amazing we got the new handler like it's obviously temporary and that was obvious temporary from the dialogue too where she's like temporary part and she was like I mean she had some personality and I liked her but like eh like I feel like this part is going to get blown out of it has been blown out of proportion a lot more than it really should have been I feel like you know I mean? she's way less interesting when she's helping you than any other time in the story because she doesn't have anyone to play off of and be sort of the right. severe uh, kind of well, serious character Right, because she's always kind of keeping the ace hunter on his feet. Like, you know what I mean? Like, keeping him from being... She's like, okay, dude, you calm down a bit. <laughs> like, you're a little too excited. She, like, shuts him down later uh, in the story in one scene for no reason. Yeah, who knows? Might be a love-hate relationship going on there. <laughs> um, the, the other thing is, like, um, for ecology, I really don't like how they handled the subspecies of what what's going on here because like again obviously i i love i love ecology i do that you know i do the articles and i say this every time but like it makes no sense it makes no sense that like oh because the puke puke are agitated they rapidly adapted to be in the coral highlands like what makes sense is that there was at the time that we are fighting them puke puke in the coral highlands they're just trying to justify oh there's new monsters in the coral highlands in a weird way i feel like like oh like they moved to the they're all going crazy and they're all changing and blah blah, blah. it's like yeah but then, like, why don't we have a jade they did this off? with high rank as well and i think the implication was that not that they, they, didn't they like never it said either. that they rapidly evolved. They said that, like, there's some vague explanation that, like, they're coming out of hiding or they're entering the known regions of the new world, these creatures that were further off. I don't remember them saying anything about coming out of hiding. Yeah, they mentioned it a few times. I mean, I... See, that, that seems weird, though, because wouldn't they always be doing what they were in those areas? Like, it doesn't make sense. Well, yeah, I think the implication is that Volcana is having changes on the ecosystem, and it's, like, causing them to abandon their habitats, or, like, run away, or go crazy and okay. range further. I don't know. 
it feels it feels weird to be like, hey, we know this area. Okay, there's new things here. We're just gonna like yada yada how they got here, and it's just like, mm, um, yeah. I will say I, I liked. Uh, I don't necessarily like the story being that like these habitats are abnormal or they're being disturbed because I kind of want to see them in their natural state. Um, but conversely, right. it did fix the story problem uh, that World had of like, why are you just killing all these creatures that you're supposed to be researching? Because there was seemingly a threat. Like, it was very volatile, and it seemed like defense was the prime motivation more so than just research. Right. Well, I mean, research, even in our own history, did involve killing animals and dissecting them and stuff at one time. Just saying. Not that it was a great justification, but that happened. Um, <laughs> so speaking of subspecies, uh, when you get to a nitrate palumu, it knocks the hunter out. Uh, that's one. and uh, But they live, and they kill it, and they come back. Uh, and the hunter has to rush back uh, with reports of the missing tracker and handler. Uh, and he mm-hmm. finds mon- monsters that have been frozen solid. Uh, Kortos and a Baryoth. Um, and he fights the Baryoth and they, they're fine. They come out of the woodwork. Uh, and uh, the, the tracker reveals that the ship was probably beached by a powerful monster, judging by the claw marks, that wasn't a Baryoth. And just as she's, she's saying mm-hmm. that, the song we've heard earlier uh, sounds and Vilcana swoops in al- along with the powerful winds that had been knocking the airships from the sky. Uh, right. And the handler spots that it's the the shards on its hide match the moonstone that that she had, and it starts flying mm-hmm. off towards Estera. And this is the point where the tracker says, "Ah, the legendary Vulcana." Yeah, yeah. See, you know, with the context, it's a little better. I still don't like it too much because, <laughs> like. We don't know a lot about it. They don't know a lot about it. So how is it legendary? Like I just, I I would have been okay with elusive, <laughs> yeah. rumored, or, or any other word. But like, legendary means like it doesn't necessarily have to be like well known, the legend or whatever. But like, that means that there is stories that have been told about it to other people. It's like. The legendary whatever. And it's like, dude, it's like four people that know about this yeah. legend. Like, how is that a legend? Like, <laughs> uh, I, yeah, it's that's just a nitpick on my end that, you know, I felt was like just like bad wording. Um, one thing that uh, that I thought was cool, though, uh, uh, flip side of that same coin is that stuff like Barrieth. Bracadius, like all these other monsters that start showing up that were in other areas of the Monster Hunter universe are actually known. They actually talk about them like as if like, yeah, it's a normal thing. Like they're like, oh, yeah, there's Barrieth here. Like, OK, that makes sense. And they actually treat them as if it's something known uh, in the universe, which technically it is because, you know, it's an older monster. I felt that was done very well. Um, because it's like, yeah, like we already know about this. Like, we're not like 
reinventing like the research <laughs> that was already done by you know what it would be moga village <laughs> in third generation um or whatever but even moga village was an established village this is this is very different from other monster Hunter stories and quotations where everything was always just an established village and they're dealing with what's in the area and this is like hey we're a new settlement on our frontier and learning about right. it. Right, and Monster so, 4 I, sort of had the caravan too, which is sort of more like a commission than a village, but... Well, but each place they went on the caravan were existing places too. You know what I mean? Like, they were existing cities. Mm-hmm. They were traveling between them. But yeah, it's just like... It, I think this part of it was done very well, where they're like, hey, we know what this is, and we can talk about it. In the other part, the, you know, like the monsters we don't know yet, they still have, you know, stories and legends and stuff. It seems weird, <laughs> but there's a lot of that in Monster Hunter. There's a lot of the ultimate legendary black dragon yeah. fatality. So speaking of legendary dragons, well, they find a, a whole Anjanath frozen solid by, by Volcana, and the commander mm-hmm. assumes, out of just the thin air, uh, that the entire new world could freeze over. <laughs> Somehow. Um, and he suggests evacuating, but then the field team leader gives a rousing speech, and everyone decides, no, it'll probably be fine. Um, yeah, that felt a little Yeah, that was, that, that, that cutscene was, was little... up and down and all over the place. Right. And I get what they're going for, because this is done a lot in movies, right? Where they're like, we're going to rally together and beat the bad guys, except the bad guys is this dragon that like I, I it just kind of came out of nowhere we didn't big. see the engine F get frozen it was just there uh, after we came back from I think a Nargakuga hunt yeah and I think that in itself was kind of an interesting bit like oh yeah that's frozen solid that's that's kind of insane because it's such a large monster but yeah the whole like speech and that kind of stuff is um a little weird, a little awkward. <laughs> so before the handler left for the new world, her grandfather had given her that moonstone, and she's vowing to finish his investigation. Um, and, and this is we get a little bit of insight into the world of Monster Hunter because uh, she, she like assumes the hunter is going to like reprimand her when she mentions that he'd brought something. Her grandfather brought something back from the new world because so seemingly they don't want to end up creating the invasive species problems. Right. Uh, Which is kind of interesting. Yeah, it's like real-world ecology. It's like they're real scientists, I think. Um, Yeah. And it's also, we've mentioned a couple times, it's not the first time that they've dealt, you know, with invasive species and monster in her story. The Seregios. Because of of Seregios, yeah. Which was also driven out by a large, powerful monster. Right, yeah. That's usually the way of things. <laughs> um, so the hunter goes to confront Volcana in the Elder's Recess. It's sleeping and mm-hmm. emitting frost, and he fights it in a unarmored form with just its, like, gleaming mm-hmm. purplish hide. Uh, yep. But he seemingly slays it, but it gathers more more energy and summons ice armor onto its hide. Uh, and the it unleashes an ice blast, and the hunter tr- tries to shield the handler, 
but a crystal freezes in midair and falls right on his head, on his or her head, knocking them out. Yep. Um, that's the twi- second time this this game Hunter has been KO'd. If you're keeping track, <laughs> right? So the tracker uh, in in the Horrorfrost Reach, she's hearing the song just as she finds another piece of parchment uh, in this terrifying cutscene as as the ground just like collapses under her uh, and she falls into a ravine. Um, yeah. So the the the, the hunter and the handler they go. They're, they're better. They go through a newly open passage in the Horfrost Reach to find the tracker's headband, uh, and they fight one of them, the Shrieking Legiana, as the... Yeah. Uh, to defend... That was the, a rough fight. Yeah, just... To, that, like, of all the story fights, I think that one was the most intense, I would say, because you're, like, you're forced to fight it with another Legiana. Right. I actually... I. Even though it's just like a subspecies, I really like this whole cutscene scenario because it it felt like it had real stakes. Um, whereas you don't usually get that in right. Monster Hunter. You don't usually see like uh, Guildmarm is about to die or Guildmarm's in danger. Um, no, she was just in town doodling, doodling. Uh, and, and then calling you a doodle. And the music in this section too is very uh, unnerving and. Uh, yeah, it sort of suits the scene. And also just like the the whole shrieking Legiana summoning another normal Legiana to fight you is very... That's that's a very unique uh, mechanic, uh, and it, it fits the story of this, uh, this Legiana flock, right? Yeah. Um, okay, so the, the handler uh, climbs down to rescue the tracker, and she says that the handler reminds her of herself... Uh, the new the new writings they found uh, they talk about seismic actions and something called the old everworm for the first time. Uh, See, this is this is another sticking point for me. The old everworm, like one guy found it. Like, what makes him say it's old everworm? Like, I don't I don't understand. <laughs> like, why? Like, why would you like? Oh, it's the. It feels weird to call it that because that has weight to it, right? That has weight. That's like a meta naming, and not like a in-world naming. You know what I mean? Like, how do you mean? Oh, it's the legendary monster. Uh, well, okay, so we know at this point, right, that it is Shar Ishvalda that we're actually after, right? And the Everworm is what they were referring to as Shar Ishvalda, mm-hmm. right? Why would it be called the Everworm before it's ever encountered? Because it was a theory so that the, they thought it traveled through the Everstream. But we only found out about the Everstream. Well, these parchments are like <laughs> this half, game. half torn apart. So, like, presumably this explorer would but, have, like, come up with this theory and then part of it was just eroded off of the, the paper. But it took, like, the whole research commission to whole, figure out the whole Everstream stuff, right? Am I not mistaken? Like, so this one explorer already knew about the Everstream to to, to know that this thing was also in it? Like, well, I think they knew about the volcanic passageways. They just didn't know the whole truth of the Everstream in terms of the Rotten Vale and the Elder's Recess. 
Okay. It just seems odd. It seems like, to me, it seems like, hey, we're naming, in the game, we're naming, like, within the bounds of the game, we're naming a monster based on some knowledge outside of what they would know. It's To me, it's a big metagaming issue if you're familiar with D&D speak <laughs> as a listener. It's like, hey, um, uh, I'm encountering um, this ice dragon for the first time. I know that fire isn't going to be useful because the, the handbook says this. You know, like... All right, well, like, that's not metagaming. It's, it's like, fire and ice. <laughs> that's innately known knowledge. Okay. I no, no, no. I said it wouldn't be useful because it says this in the book. Um... Like that, like that's the kind of metagame I go for. It, 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 the natural thought would be fire and ice, but like, oh no, fire doesn't work because of this special scenario. Oh, you're saying immunity? But okay. I know that because I read it in the book, and I'm like, but that no, you you as a character wouldn't know that, and I feel like that is what's happening with the naming of the Everworm. It's like, but you just know that it's this giant mysterious thing, like you know. Like, wh- why couldn't you just call it, like, like just name it, like, I don't know, the Mysterious Dragon? <laughs> or, or, like, you know, like, there's there's certainly an air of mystery there. I get that. But, like, to associate it with the Everstream and, like, that kind of stuff, it feels like a lo- leap in logic to the characters that I'm just not on board well, with. Calling it the old something is also, like, it's an Elder Dragon. Of course it's old. That's the point of that. Right. And that might just be that might just be carryover because they don't talk about the history of Monster Hunter ever in the story. They don't talk about the fact of the old wars. I don't even know if the characters in Monster Hunter know about the old wars. Probably like, not. If there's like lore masters and things that they would keep the ancient right, history. Probably not. But like, like it's 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 a mess. Like it's it's a mess to try to like. To take it seriously, that's why we can't, right? It's a try. It's like it doesn't matter because they make so many loopholes and mistakes, and it just doesn't fit all together because it, there's so many like things wrong with what they're saying constantly, and it's like okay, that brings me out. Like like that's why I can't get into the story and stuff like this. Like, why did you call it that? That doesn't make sense for you to call it that. It makes a sense sense for us to call it. After we fought it, and after we know what was going well, on, not I mean, before. I told you why I think they they called it that. So, uh, I don't, I just don't agree. The uh, <laughs> I don't think the that hunter works. goes on, and uh, you fight a bunch of subspecies uh, to secure weapons shipments to Seliana for the defense against Vilcana. Um And once mm-hmm. you go into that fight, uh, there's a cutscene where the huntsman is dueling Vilcana. Uh, and kind of whips its tail around, um, and just like just mm-hmm. slices through his helmet, and just like in the in like a very like uh, glancing blow, I guess. Uh, yeah. And and I wish they killed him. And I'm not <laughs> saying that because I don't like him. I wish there was just more stakes to it because like they, everyone gets out. Oh, no, no one dies like, in Monster Hunter. That's why you get carted back. Right. And you don't you know, get eaten. Um. Yeah, so the Huntsman goes up and he uh, body shields the field team leader from a blast of ice. Um, the mm. field team leader drives Volcana off and he's very upset. Uh, of course. Yeah, and and that, that becomes a whole thing. Then you go into the actual Volcana hunt in the Horfrost Reach. 
and you confront it in its mm-hmm. lair, and the hunter slays Volcano, uh, allowing the commission to uh, come in uh, with the researchers and discover that its lair was actually a flash-frozen volcanic caldera with arching spires of magma just, like, frozen in place. Um, Which, that part is cool. Like, that little tidbit was really interesting. And um, uh, you you talked about looking at it uh, in a previous episode, and a couple times we talked, just, like, how awesome that part looked. Um, Have you ever looked at it from, like, the top of the Horfrost? I have. You can see the actual shape of the volcano. Yeah, it's really good. Um, By the way... Quick aside, I got the golden macaque, and I was looking for the jellyfish, and that's where I saw it, like, yesterday. I was looking at that volcano. I was like, ah, yeah. (laughs) That looks cool. Um, (laughs) But yeah. Yeah, so there's, yeah. uh, They say that uh, Volcana froze the the stones and used it uh, uh, to control the cold, Uh, but what I'm not clear on is, did Volcana, like, manually adhere this this frozen magma to its scales as it as its hide or are they just naturally its scales like are they scales or are they like frozen metal armor yeah i don't know and it's very like when it comes to elder dragons and their abilities they're very uh loose on what they can do (laughs) it's like uh if there was there's no magic in the world of monster hunter but if there was it would be from the elder dragons the only the only like explanation I can see is obviously the elder dragons don't have a great deal of manual dexterity in terms of like scrubbing behind the ears. Uh, right. Is if the if it was sleeping in the caldera and it erupted and Volcano like had a twitch reaction and froze the lava as it as it splashed all over its skin or scales. Right. Because uh, if you actually look at Volcano, it does make sense. It looks like Rikidios in terms of the lighting and reflectiveness. It's very reflective, mm-hmm. kind of purpley scales. Uh, yeah, it's just it's interesting, and I'm not quite sure. Um, well, even though elder dragons are rare, right? They're still a a species. There's not one Velcana, also, right? There's not one Kushala. Now there might be one Zora, which I don't think there would be. That wouldn't make sense. But like. In terms of the story, obviously, we only fight a select few because I think what's canon is what happens in the story and optionals. And even those are sometimes a stretch. But, like, but you know, every time you re-hunt something or go hunt something in the field or investigations, those technically aren't canon fights. But still, there are at least enough for a breeding population of Elder Dragons. So, like, I like the idea that, you know, like, the the you know, the magma sort of flash froze onto the Volcana, but, like, what does that say for, like, other Volcana? Is that just a natural thing that happens? Well, because like... <laughs> first we encounter this Volcana, and it doesn't have its ice ice armor, so we know that ice armor is, like, that's only because it was powered up by the by the stream stones in the Elder's Recess, and the bioenergy and that stuff, one assumes that it was able to conjure the ice armor onto its hide, but is, are we then thinking, is it like, is it like Kushala Deora or Valhazak, where it has another secret layer of uh, hide underneath uh, what we see in the game? Mm-hmm. I think we'll need to look at concept art, but um, that's just something to note. Um, 
Now, it's it's interesting. The problem is, like, you know, they talk about, you know, like, going into ecology and that stuff. And then, and then, but then they make these concepts that are, like, really cool. I don't, I don't dislike what they're doing, but it doesn't make sense for, like, a natural creature to always have done that. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's just like the, it's like a deviance. It's like, the, like, this creature has done something that makes it in particular special uh, within its lifetime. Right. Yeah. No, the deviants aren't really that day super explained either. Yeah. <laughs> That's the way of it. Um, so the tracker here is talking about the unnatural fault lines that run all across the Horfrost Reach, one that she fell into, mm-hmm. for example. And the song uh, plays again. Obviously, Vulcana is lying there dead. It has to belong to the old Everworm. And we get a yeah. cutscene where... Uh, uh, Glaciers fall into the sea, an entire mountain spire just collapses into the ground, and then red clouds roll over the sky, and we cut away, and it's, the red clouds are gone. Until we fight yep. Sharish Valda on the Origin Isle. Yeah, the... Why? The funny thing about this is, like, I saw this coming from a mile away, that it wasn't Volcana. And there's a big reason... Being a big Monster Hunter fan, there's always the bait and switch. Yeah. Always. Like, uh, I think this even goes back to Generation 2. Like, like, oh, the big monster is this. Like, the earliest example that's clear to me is the Legiacris for Seed. Yeah, that's, uh, the, that's the big example. Um, and I think fourth generation sort of does it with the Seregios, like, oh, the Seregios, blah, 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 but was actually driven out by, what was it? It was... Tempurge, or Apex Seregios? Maybe, but I don't think it was the Apex one. Like, it was something, it's Apex something, you're right. Um, and then, like, oh, Gogmazios is here, too. Like, whoa, where did he come from? (laughs) He was he was just sort of like shoehorned in. There's always a bigger like, fish, um, for sure. Right, and then the Gormagala, uh, you know, in the base of four, which you end up only fighting in four you outside of Japan, anyways. Gormagala was sort of like the. <laughs> I mean, he's the closest to not being sort of like a bait and switch because he ends up being, um, uh, Shagaru. Is it Shagaru Magala? Mm-hmm. Am I saying that? Yeah. Um, so, like, his old, his better form. So, like, that's kind of close, but they're treated as separate monsters anyways. So, like, yeah, the 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 whole it wasn't Volcana thing, I just sort of, like, rolled my eyes. I was like, of course it wasn't. It never was. <laughs> like, there's no way that this was always going to be Volcana. You know, I thought they like, did this pretty well because... Unlike the, the earthquakes with Pagaicris, where there's, like, no way this thing could really feasibly be causing them, the song sounds, like, very arctic, very distinctly, like, the, the cry of wind over yeah. the land. So you'd imagine that that would fit Vulcana. You would, but then you never hear any of that from Vulcana. No, but you, only, you always hear it when Vulcana appears, because of something we'll get to later in the story. Sure, yeah. And that's not... <laughs> That's not the problem. It's just like, I think they sell it well 
as much as they can, but I've already been through this so many times that I'm like, yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, it's, um, it's a good bait and switch, I feel. Um, like, going back through the story, I see a lot of the foreshadowing with this Moonstone Shard and with the, um, uh, just like <laughs> the plot essential parchments <laughs> that, uh, that, that I appreciate. Um, because they are trying to make it, make right. it feel natural. Um, but yeah, the red sky never, never comes up again. <laughs> the Horfrost Reach, we never see it with the red sky. Weird. It seems like there was like a continuity error or something. But, uh, yeah. Like, like maybe you're supposed to go right into the Sharish Valda fight here, but they decided to put it, put it off somewhere else. I don't know. Um. I decided you gotta fight the sweetest monster in Iceborne. Yeah, I, I don't know if that was like, they thought the game was gonna be shorter than it actually was. Um, and then they had to expand it out to add these other elder dragon subspecies. Anyway, um, we're, we're researching these, uh, elder dragons for a long time. Well, the tracker and seeker go off to research the songs and seismic actions. Yep. Uh, in the, at the end of this, we fight an Amiel, which washes us off the, the peak of the Coral Highlands, all the way to the bottom, uh, <laughs> until they first Wyvernian wakes us up. Um, and this this is the third time yeah. there's been KO'd in this story alone. Mm-hmm. Which is... We're getting back to the four ultimate days where every single monster introduction was the hunter bumbling into something and barely surviving. <laughs> let's let's, oh, be, let's be grateful these monsters have the mercy rule. <laughs> they don't, right. They don't just, like, eat you. Um, yeah. Yeah. So eventually we get this really cool cutscene where the tracker and seeker are going through their research. They're mapping out the locations of the song on the new world map, the uh, locations of the seismic actions and the appearances of new elder dragons, which I don't think the elder dragons necessarily line up. Um, unless you're counting like once they were in the no, base game, because just... there's like eight of them, but I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I kind of wish they did um, variations because there was a of the elder dragons. There's only one new variation, which is you know Spore Puff <laughs> Valhazic. But like, I kind of wonder why they didn't do other ones. Well, and Rune and Yeah. Yes, it's a subspecies. But I'm talking about the base the base ones, like. Uh, like they didn't do anything to Kushala, which Kushala has a variation. Um, like Teostra, Lunastra. Well, we already sort of got Lunastra. Um, yeah, okay. I mean, okay, I guess if you count Lunastra as a variation of Teostra, okay. <laughs> uh, in terms of story, uh, well, I mean, it, it, Lunastra used to be just the blue Teostra or vice versa, but they made it into sort of more yeah, of its yeah. own thing. Um, yeah, we haven't seen Which I hide nor hair of a Roshikir in either. Uh, we do see a rusted Kushala skin in the Horfrost Reach. Um, yes. And it's just sort of discarded at the very top of, uh, the secret jumping puzzle. Well, that's what they do. Yeah, that's when they, that's yeah, what they do. Yeah, it's a lot like the ecology cutscene from the previous games. Yeah. Yeah, from Gen 2. It was all the way back in Gen 2 and it perpetuated in all the way through 4. Um, basically, if you've never seen it and you're listening, um, 
the metallic hide that a Kushala wears uh, every once in a while gets too hard and it rusts and it makes it harder for the Kushala to sort of move in it. So it busts out like it's a cocoon and leaves the metallic husk there. Uh, and this has always been a feature since Kushala has been in the game of like, there's a husk of a Kushala somewhere at the top of an ice map, which again, I find it really odd that we don't see Kushala in ice maps because he actually has always had his husk in an ice map. Um, yeah, it's strange yeah, it's that also... they didn't just add Kushala to the Horror Frustrations like a range. Like maybe they're trying to set it up to add rusted Kushala to Aura later on. Maybe that's what this is about. Maybe. But it's maybe that's our December DLC monster, which I will be kind of. Yeah, but... I don't think anyone really wants that. <laughs> Uh, just add yeah. like the base uh, monster there. So yeah, I it's it's weird to think that like they didn't put like <laughs> like like him in the Horfrost Reach. Like that's I think of all the monsters that were like, hey, this also appears in all other snow maps. Like that was the biggest one. It was like, okay, why isn't this here? Like, stuff like um, Bracadius, like, that was just because they liked putting the Bracadius in the new map at the time, which was the third gen map. And then also the uh, Frozen Seaway in Gen 4. Like, it's just sort of like, hey, they could live in extreme environments kind of thing. Um, but yeah. Bracadius was the proto-Volcana. It froze the cobalt onto its skin, and it used it to control the blast element. No. It makes it's about as much sense as Recordios just chilling in the, in the Arctic thing. He's freezing it. Anyway. Um, so the map of the song is the seismic actions and the appearances of the new elf dragons. Uh, they, they form a spiral pattern that circumambulates the new world. Uh, or, mm-hmm. as we apparently know it, that's the shape of the Everstream. Um, uh, so we, we follow the spiral out and sort of southwestward out, out across the sea and that's where uh, they predict Shara Shvalda or the old Everworm to be. Uh, the tracker mm-hmm. refuses to leave for Origin Isle, what they're calling it, on this prototype airship uh, that, that has been built. It's an actual uh, like uh, horizontal ship as it were. Um, yes, an actual ship instead of a half of a ship. Doesn't look as cool. Yeah. Uh, but the handler convinces her to go. <laughs> um... And they land, and it's just really cool, just like the whole like lotus petal aesthetic of this place. And we're seeing again the mm-hmm. the more doomsday uh, red and uh, like dark red clouds, um, and this like spiral spir- spiry craggulous landscape. So the hunter uh, goes into the map, and suddenly a runner gigante appears for some reason, just very abruptly. <laughs> This whole thing was kind of abrupt. Uh, and, yeah, they fight it. Uh, they seemingly slay it. Uh, it's it's swallowed up by, like, tendrils of earth. It just, like, pulled into the ground. So creepy. And a giant rock yeah. monster uh, starts uh, loosing that uh, song we've heard many times. And the earth itself just, yep. like, sunders and cracks before it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's Shara's fault. Yeah, so the hunter, 
That's our <laughs> we do. That's our big big baddie. We have a uh, sort of a matrix mo- moment, and the hunter jumps across some rocks, and it fights Charles Falda, knocking it out of its rock armor in that really cinematic moment we were talking about last week, where the dust sort of pulls in around it as it, you see that's uh, br- emerged uh, the tips of its wing arms, uh, and it, it just kind of recede into the dust cloud before it roars and the dust dispenses, and you see this terrifying, mm-hmm. terrifying creature. Um, now, I will say, um, so that, that cutscene you mentioned where the hunter's sort of jumping back and forth between falling rocks, there's actually, it's really weird. So a lot of times uh, when you have a cutscene, uh, if you're in with other people and they, they have a cutscene, like a mid-quest cutscene, um, it shows your hunter in the forefront with the other hunters in the background, mm-hmm. right? And uh, they kind of, like, they made you do, like, the hey, let the cutscene play, and then it's joinable. So that's what my brother and I did a lot, uh, progressing through the story together. And then we get to that cutscene where he's doing the, the the jumping between the rocks stuff, and it was actually my brother's character, and my character wasn't anywhere to be seen. So that was the weirdest, like as far as like playing with other people. I have never seen that cutscene with my hunter unless I go back to the gallery and do it. Like, the just like in mid game, I was just like, oh okay, I guess I get to watch my brother do this. Right. <laughs> That was weird. That was really weird. It's the first time I've seen that happen. Right. Um, so th- this is another fight that I sort of like for the narrative um, as well, because mm-hmm. we're seeing that this thing just... They, they actually like physically like represented its destructive power with how its attacks just batter apart this, this, the mountains of this environment. Mm-hmm. And by the time the fight's ended, the, the Earth's collapsed like four times under it, or three times under it. And, like, the mountains have just, yeah. like, sunken into the sea, and we see out over the ocean. Um, but we finally slice Sharish Valda and the commission. They all fly down into the battlefield as if they were there the whole time, but I thought they didn't board the or- airship, because they are making a big deal that the commission weren't all coming. So how did they get here? Yeah, but they were they were on a boat or something. Like, they were near a boat. And I didn't get what was happening at that point, because... I don't, I don't know where they were going when they said, "Hey, you know, we're we're taking off somewhere or whatever," and like then they just sort of just show up. You're right, and like okay, I guess they could have been on another boat, but like, why would they show up? Like I don't understand. Like I didn't even know why they were leaving in the first place. So, like it was just weird all around weird of like why they're there but yeah it makes for an interesting moment you get to see like uh eight seven people sort of gear up to sort of finish off sharash valda yeah as it as it sort of flickers back to life yeah kind of like a a good old like you know like pan across all the heroes as they ready up like you know yeah all uh like Avengers, <laughs> the the hunters have assembled. <laughs> um, but with uh, with uh, one dude is just going to punch it. Yeah, yeah, the like, um, yeah. But not so. Runa Nergigante literally bursts out of the ground, seemingly alive, uh, and flies down into Sharish Valda, slams its head into the ground, and rips its throat out. And he 
and he poses as just so cool as he's roaring on top of Charge Valda's corpse. Yeah. Um. Got to get that cinematography in. He's uh, what do they call that? Uh, photogenic guy. Photogenic. <laughs> oh, always be posing. Nergigante. Um, but Nergigante yeah. kind of roars at us, gets bored, flies off. Um, we later discover it's flown uh to the uh to to, to the uh guiding lands that are far above the elders' recess. Yep. Um. And there's not much story there, um, but we see in the Rotten Vale portion the the skull of Azora Magdaros that presumably died in a previous Elder Crossing. Yep. Which is kind of just a cool backstory for that yeah. whole area. Yeah, kind of like the you know, the dead um, Delameter for the Rotten Vale. It just it just makes a lot of sense if the thing if it was like maybe a smaller. Uh, Zormagdorus that released all this bioenergy yeah. and created a microcosm of the new world just in this mountain range. Um, yeah. Yeah, and they're doing a lot of stuff with that. But uh, back to the Solianic Gathering Hub at the end of the story, um, the Huntsman just obviously has brain damage because you see his helmet and where Volcana's tail cut it and it's like three inches into the skull. <laughs> so there's no way this guy is okay because I would have pushed the metal in into his skull. Ah, he's fine. Ah, he's probably fine. <laughs> he's just gonna murder he's murder fine. some poor researcher later when he goes ballistic. He's just gonna, yeah, he's just gonna snap one day. Ah, he's fine. <laughs> they're, they're doing this weird master chief where they won't show his face, which why? Um. Oh, it's funny. So, like, uh, the ending cutscene, like, when they're all having the party, when it's all done, mm-hmm. did you see he takes his helmet off? Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah, 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 he doesn't, well, the cat, did you see the cat's reaction? No. So there's a cat walking by, there's a, there's a cat, one of the, like, waiters or whatever, walking by, and it watches him take the helmet off, and he does a double take and his mouth drops open, you're like, what does he look like? <laughs> Probably just an old white guy if we're going by the Master Chief parable. Well, I know, but like, oh man, it was just like, it was funny. The cat's reaction. I was, I was laughing. <laughs> like, okay, the cat is utterly surprised, but maybe that's just sort of playing into what does he look like sort of joke. Um, so yeah. we also see that the um, previously the tracker is called the Handler Little Moon. Uh, just once. Um, and the handler sort of goes like, well, if you're the Sapphire Star Hunter, I'll be the Little Moon. And Astera is based around stars in the base game, and Celiana is based around the moon, and Iceborne. It's symbolism. There's moonstone. Moon. Moon stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Don't know where they were going with that, but it's there. Um... And they're all sitting around the table eating, and the Admiral hypothesizes that nature has mechanisms to detect irregularities and balance itself, and that Nergigante is one of those mechanisms. Mm-hmm. Uh, in, and we're still going to kill In hunting it. all these Elder Dragons. Well, I, I, I don't think that's bad in context, because obviously, like you're saying, there's more than one Nergigante, and this isn't the Nergigante yeah, in the main story. There has to be. That one died. They're not just... They're not uh, uh, as they as they accuse 
dwarves in Lord of the Rings. They don't just pop out of the ground. Like there has to be like a breeding population for them to exist. Like so, there has to be more than one. So, so it's not like maybe it's not the best idea, but you know, it's not going to necessarily destroy the ecosystem. Yeah, there's there's so much unrealized stuff in monster hunter where they sort of allude to it like okay so where do the zora magdaris live right because obviously it came there to die not to live so is there a place where these these zora magdaris sized monsters just sort of grazing <laughs> all the time like fighting mating, you don't want to see that animal planet mating. documentary you just really don't um i mean I, not the mating part, obviously, but I want to see that. I want to see what that place looks like. The land of giants. It's just like 30 Zora Magdaros. <laughs> There's like a herd just grazing on like entire trees. Um, yeah. So, so that was one thing that was weird to me, but just about the original Monster Hunter World story. Um, was that mm-hmm. this, they're drawing this distinction that Zora Magdaros and uh, Nergigante are old world elder dragons. And Xenarchiva is the New World Elder Dragon. But then there's also Valhazak, who is also a New World Elder Dragon, presumably. So, like, I don't know why they're making a big deal about Xenarchiva being the first Elder Dragon in the New World. Yeah, I don't know. That's that's what I'm saying. There's so many unrealized and just, like, un, like half-baked ideas a lot of the time. Which sometimes is a good thing, right? It creates an era of mystery. But sometimes it's literally just half-assed. Like, I don't know why they would call that the only... Because, like, Valhazic doesn't appear anywhere else, right, in any of the previous games. He's a brand new monster. Yeah. So why not just say that he lives in the new yeah, world? That's, that's the like, weird thing, because all these monsters are new, but they're saying that they're from the old world, or because they came across in the Elder Crossing. Elder, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and it's weird. It, it is weird. And then... Um, but then there's, like, there's good examples of, you know, where this, like, where not having all the information creates something fun. And, you know, like, the, for me, the best example being the fact that all gobels are juveniles in third generation. Like, I want to see the Deep Sea Abyss Google. 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 <laughs> Google. <laughs> I want to see the giant Google. Tell <laughs> me Joseph Goebbels. Um... I got Price, Price is Right, show me Joseph Goebbels. Um, or not Price is Right, uh, Family Feud. Uh, yeah, so... Yeah. I don't know, I just, like, I think Nergante fits well enough in the Eldritch Recess with the whole spiny environment. It makes sense. Uh, I would have bought that he was um, endemic life there. I would have bought that he was indigenous. But uh, not to be... Um, so the implication of this whole, like, natural Avenger... Um, balancer uh, storyline is that Zora Magdaros detonating, Zenergiva growing too powerful, Volcana freezing the new world over and Cherish Valda shaking the new world to bits and just destabilizing the ecosystem. It would have all worked themselves out without the hunter, most likely. Right. So, so we are yeah. essentially the humans in a Godzilla film. <laughs> right. Well, I don't think I don't think we because those things needed to like be challenged. I think we we're just like like America, like interventionalist commission. 
Just, just dropping drone strikes on civilians, you know, just... Getting political, are we? <laughs> yeah, well, the civilians are blown apart, so... How political is it for them? Yeah. Um, which, in this case, I guess represents Elder Dragon. Sure, why not? Um, right. Yeah, uh, so that's basically the end of the story. Um, yeah. It is. It's the whole thing. So, like, now we can just talk about, like, I guess, like, what what our overall thoughts are, what some themes we liked. Um, overall, I think, as far as, like, the story goes, um, I think it was decent. As much as I was crapping on it for certain things, I think they're not very good at... They're saying they want to do something and they keep shooting themselves in the foot along the way just to try to make it sound more epic and appealing uh, is what what ends up happening most of the time. Um, Overall, though, I don't feel like it's certainly not one of my favorite stories um, for sure, but it's it's not it's not terrible. Right. I did not enjoy the world's base story. Largely because it was it was just like full of these gripes that I have, but those were constant. There's a few of the gripes I have with with this one, and then like on top of that, like they're actually like you know building upon a few characters and whatnot instead of sort of putting it on the shoulders of the silent protagonist again. Like you actually get some focus on the other characters instead of just like, Hey, we're the, you know, we're the awesome hunter that saves the handler every time. <laughs> yeah. I liked, um, I liked they chose the handler and the tracker to focus on in the story. Cause I feel like the tracker was the mm-hmm. coolest character in the world, in world story. And I wanted to see more with her. And that definitely, um, uh, they actually, uh, she has mentions in one scene that she thinks like the, I think the person who is the early explorer in the Horcrest Reach uh, was her was her master, um, who we don't know who it is, but she says she alludes to seeing that person in in the future in another game, probably. Yeah, maybe. So I don't know who that is, unless it would be the handler's grandfather. Well, yeah, we don't know. It would be cool. Yeah. Those are the only two, like, off-screen NPCs, maybe? In World? Yeah. They could be the same person. Too. Oh, and also... Who knows? Ace Cadet, uh, he alludes to seeing his friends in the New World. The other... Does anyone Does anyone yeah. care? <laughs> Were those very memorable NPCs for us? Talk about the fourth yeah, the Ace guys? Aren't those only in 4U, too? In, Dun- in Dundorma? Yeah, yeah, they were in the uh, For You area. Well, no, I think he were in the base story, too. Yeah. But yeah, anyways, like, yeah, there was... There's a couple things that... I don't think that this story is terrible, but I don't think it's great, either. Um, I... I don't feel... (laughs) Like I feel like they fleshed out the handler uh, a lot, gave her some real motivations, uh, made her like an actual like she was kind of the most character in world 
but we didn't focus on her like a lot um, and actually sort of giving her a lot of motivations although the thing she's been carrying around we th- you know you think we'd have heard about it or saw it beforehand but I mean who knows like <laughs> maybe they didn't weren't thinking about you know that kind of story arc when they were making world you know it wasn't thought of or anything of course then it would be like like if we knew about it in world it'd be like why is she carrying around this scale that we haven't seen anything of yeah it would have been oh, sort of lame to have that tease the expansion yeah so like that's a <laughs> do or don't like situation anyway i guess but... the way to do it is if, like she had it on her belt or something the whole game and then because that wouldn't be too teasy that wouldn't be like the camera focuses on it you know Right. Yeah, and people just sort of brush it off as like, all right, she has a scale on her belt. Whoop-de-doo. Um, or even if they would notice it at all. The legendary Volcano uh, wasn't done being concepted at that point. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I like a lot of the newer characters. I think it was interesting that they appointed new people to the heads of positions to sort of fill the gap because now that there's two research bases essentially or two areas um i like that you know like there's two provision masters now and they sort of divvied that stuff up uh that was interesting i feel like they Um, brought like they highlighted a lot of the more interesting characters because like they brought that girl Mm -hmm. like from the third uh from the fourth fleet uh to the new um uh Mm -hmm. research center uh, whereas resource center, um, and, and they left sort of like the third fleet master's brother and Estera, you know, it's like, a, he was just sort of bland elf guy. It wasn't, he wasn't, wasn't dying for more of him, let's say. Right. And then there was the, uh, the Wavarian, uh, had the braids that ended up being, I don't remember what they called him, but he ended up being kind of important towards the end of world. And he shows up a couple times in Iceborne, but that's about it. Like, his sort of, like, journey with, with you is done. I think that was the only character that's really felt unrealized in Iceborne. Yeah, the, that the was Seeker like, is a completely superfluous NPC. Like, why was he even in the world to begin with? Except to get shot by Zenojiba. Right. Yeah, but, it, like, at the same time, like, they, they tried to make something out of him, right? And they just didn't even attempt this time. <laughs> He's just like, hey, he's here too. Remember him? <laughs> like he came, comes in at the end like, my job is tracking down the final boss. That's what I do. Um, <laughs> that, that brings in all sorts of meta discussion. Like, the fi- like, no, 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 no. I'm not involved. This isn't final bossy enough here. This isn't- well, I mean, technically, Sharish <laughs> Valda isn't the final boss. Because Runer Gigante is. Because they don't... The, but the those monsters, over, there's no more. Like, Young Garuga is more of a final I, boss I, than Gigante. That's, that's such a misnomer, though. Like, I know, but it's not literally the boss like, that comes last in the story. It's the end of the story. Uh, it's not the boss yeah, comes last in the, the game. end of the story. There was other stuff that... There's always been stuff that comes after the boss. Like, um, you know, like Bloodbath uh, Diablos in, in uh, Generations Ultimate. That's the thing. Um, so I wanted to say that uh, the, the start of the Iceborne story, it's sort of very dull. Um, after that couple cutscenes, 
you're just sort of hunting monsters for a bit. Um, and you, uh, like there's, there's like little token explanations like, oh, we're securing a supply route or whatever, but I think that's excusable in that case because I, uh, I think a lot of us were more focused on just like rushing through the monsters and the new content at that point. Um, and that's the story. Oh, I took my jolly time. As you know, I took my, it took me like three or four weeks to get through it. The story sort of, because I was just like, um, intensifies towards the back half and you get more of the stuff about Wakana yeah. and the main plot. Um, but I mean, I don't think you lingered on Bonbro and Bayototis for too long, right? <laughs> like you, you kept doing the main quest. Mm, somewhat. I was also searching for endemic life the whole time. Yeah. On that, because then on crowns, that monkey grind, you know what I'm saying. I actually finished a, I, I actually finished uh, some of the, some of the endemic life as far as crown hunting goes. Like I have all the coral birds I need and the macaques and the carrier ants. I'm still doing it. <laughs> um, yeah, and another thing I liked about the story was just the NPC dialogue in Celiana and Astera would refresh after each new. I'm not sure if Astera, but definitely, you know. Because the story went back to Astera a couple times, so it would refresh yeah. after sort of relevant story events, um, and I really liked that, because if you wanted to dig deeper, you could. Uh, did you explore much of that? Nope. No. Um, not, not at all. I, uh, well, I mean, like, if people have listened to SideQuest and, you know, uh, earlier episodes of the podcast when we weren't talking about Monster Hunter too much, it's pretty rare for me to get into a story. And pretty rare for me to dig a lot deeper unless I'm super interested in the lore uh, and the story that's actually happening. I've never went to Monster Hunter for its lore. Well, but that's the RPG had, thing, like, is you talk to all the NPCs. Like, a lot of people have that tick. I don't. Not unless I'm interested in the story, which is pretty rare. Like, I do it with Diablo, because I like the lore that surrounds that game. But, like, uh, Monster Hunter, I mean, I'll read the quest description here and there, because sometimes they're funny. But that's about it. Like, I'm more concerned about the gameplay 100 times in Monster Hunter, and the monsters and the ecology of them. Well, that's the story, too. I don't... Well, the ecology of, like... You know, like the research notes and that kind of stuff. Yeah, I'll, I'll delve into that stuff. But like, when it comes to talking to an NPC, nine out of ten times, even even in Iceborne or World, it's not really going to be anything other than, "Hey, did you know this?" And it's like, "Yeah, actually, I did already." <laughs> well, they let you talk to certain uh, main characters that you're more interested in, um, and you can kind of for- find out sure. more about them. Like that's how I found out. Uh, I think about the. I don't think the stuff about the tracker's master is in any of the cutscenes. I think it's just in dialogue um, uh, windows. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a little bit disappointing that that these that you know a lot of the main character dialogue uh, like that isn't voiced. Um, but you know, I guess that's just the way of it. Um, yeah. Well, they can't voice. You know, the more voice that they do to stuff, the the more expensive the game gets, and I kind of understand. You know, keeping it down. Less work. I think they made their money back on this one, for sure. Yeah, but they still have to keep a budget when they make it. Like, <laughs> that's always a thing. But, like, the 
uh, it's just easier to not voice everything also because there's so many dialogue lines especially in rpgs um which eh, my brain doesn't like calling monster hunter an rpg still it's not how i play it (laughs) but anyways like yeah i just never I, there's nothing about the Monster Hunter story that really makes me connect because it's not what I go to Monster Hunter for. It's not what's interesting to me because it's like um, it's like when I have a problem with uh, like TV shows like The Walking Dead or uh, Game of Thrones, they end up being human stories set in a fantasy world. Whereas like I would rather be it like fantasy stories set in a fantasy world does that make sense like i really don't care who slept with who i really don't so i don't need to see this in the tv show like that's like the good what good portion of most of the episodes of like game of thrones yeah i don't think monster hunter really has that problem though because they're pretty focused on the monsters and everyone has like a monster related job that's true yes however I really don't care to look into the the people doing the monster stuff. Like I don't really, I don't really connect with any of the characters, and I and I, the hunter themselves is too much of a, um, too much of a blank slate to really care. Like if there was any backstory to us before. Oh, yeah, the handler asks us at the um, beginning of the story. She says, "Why did you come from the new world?" <laughs> Obviously, you can't really address that because. If you didn't want to do dialogue options. Um, right. Or it's it's like, uh, they could have just done what they did with uh, uh, you know, Monster Hunter Try. It's like a first person cutscene where it's like you get off the boat and you walk up and you're like, hey, I've been sent from the guild. I'm here. What's next? Like, <laughs> like they don't even say that. You just walk up and the... And the chief and the chief's son look at you and they shake their head like, yeah, here's our guy. Done. That's the introduction. (laughs) Like, I would be more interested in a story like, I don't know, let's say diving into the guild and its origins, uh, diving into the bigger backstories of the games. I'm not saying there can't be an interesting thing. It's happening here and now. I think the events are interesting enough in this story. I just don't. I don't really like connect with any of the characters that much because like, I don't feel like I think you're right. And the tracker is probably the easily the, probably the most interesting one. Um, but I think it's also default because she has the most like stuff going on. <laughs> I mean, she's you a know, cool like lady that hung out, hung out in the zombie Valley for like 30 years. Yeah, I didn't buy that for a second when they did that. Like, I was just like, okay, she's just been down here. She by would be crazy. Cuckoo she kind of is crazy, but she kind of is. But yeah, no, like, she has social graces. Like, oh, she cool. would be gone. She would be like raving a lunatic. Now, I am slightly interested in Mister Three Inch Scar in his skull, but like, there's not much to him. So yeah. I'm completely really. <laughs> bored by that guy. Um, I liked... Right, because like, they don't do anything else with him. Like, I'd be interested to see that kind of story, but like... Eh. I liked the Iceborne eh. story mostly, insofar as they presented new ecology and stuff. 
Um, the dialogue and the stuff between the characters was sort of um, inconsistent. Uh, I, I think it was, you know, a good story for, for what it was, and they put a lot of effort into it, and I appreciate it, like, because they didn't just do, like, basic cutscenes where people stand in a room and face each other and their mouth animates. Uh, they, they, like, they did, they did a lot no. of cutscenes where, like, mountains were collapsing and stuff they really didn't have to do, but no, but they wanted yeah. to put that effort into it and put that um, presentation into it, which was nice. Um, I, I will say it's it's not... It's just not as interesting as the world story for me, because all that stuff with the yeah. Everstream and the Rotten Vale and Coral Highlands and the ecology and just, like... Uh, just all the stuff they did with the, with the the world there, I think they had a little bit more latitude because they had more game to uh, cover that they can make a yeah. more interest, like really fascinating uh, ecosystem and sort of set up. Um, and that stuff sort of sort of over. I mean, they t- they kind of tag onto the Everstream as like a plot device, but it's not. Uh, it's just like a tunnel for for the purposes of Iceborne. Yeah. Um, it's true. Yeah, I think it's the it's the subway of the <laughs> new world. Um, and that that's it's interesting because the story about Kulturath is like if you look at the cutscene in the gallery, it says like Everstream Crawler or something. So that was another Elder Dragon that was uh, rolling along in the Everstream. Um, yep. I guess the caverns of Eldorado are connected to the Everstream because of the. I guess it's just any volcanic action is in the new world. It means Everstream, apparently. Um, eh. Just more likely, I would say. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know. I uh, I enjoyed it. I mostly I liked finding the little secret things and like the, the little stuff with the um, uh, the the riddles given out by the. Uh, by the uh, feline or Grimalkan tribes are pretty cool because they, they they let you connect a little bit more on a little bit more of a granular scale um, with these characters yeah. and with the environments, um, even if they're just very simple fetch quests sort of things or uh, search quests. Yeah, I mean, like, don't get me wrong. I like I like the story. To a degree, I just don't, it's just not, it's like, um, there's inconsistencies that they have with, like, how important things are, how much we know and how much we're saying. Like, it it all just sort of, like, kind of, like, throws me off and I'm just like, okay, whatever, right? So, like, I don't end up digging a lot deeper into a lot of things because it's like, okay, this is just kind of how they are there's there's certain things i feel like that monster hunter going for should explore to if i were to get more interested in it like the guild origins of the guild that would be a story i'd be interested in and not just like the origins of the guild it's like is there a group of people that just don't conform to the guild because the guild is just like some sort of bureaucratic thing that is from where like just everyone agrees like uh like i mean yeah there's some some lore and history behind it but i i want to see more lore i want to see more world building for monster hunter that you know that that is around 
the society and people and that kind of stuff. Whereas, you know, if we're going to focus on the people, right, then let's actually, you know, sort of get an idea other than here's this town here dealing with this immediate problem now. Here's this research commission that went to the New World and dealing with their immediate problems now. That's cool and all, but I'd also like to see, you know, that some of the history that went into this, right? Like, the Guild is an entity that we know about, but know very little about itself. <laughs> you oh, know what I mean? I'll say that I don't like, care. I I don't like. I don't need to know more about the guild until monsters start eating you when you die. Because the game is just like sort of simplistic in that matter. Like humans get along with each other. Uh, monsters don't eat humans unless real tragedy strikes, which is very rare. Well, yeah, but that's because of the guild support. You know what I mean? They show that better in World because it's like, hey. You're on this hunt. We are keeping an eye on you. <laughs> like, this is a dangerous world. We have, like, set expeditions. Like, like that kind of stuff. Like, so you don't get killed. Like, um, there's not a lot. Like, it's all self-contained. You know what I mean? But. I guess they I guess they shielded me from getting impaled by Volcana's tail. <laughs> in a way. Immediate Volcana hospital. is a lance user. <laughs> it doesn't. It doesn't show mercy. Well, I mean, yeah, obviously it doesn't always fit, right? You know what I mean? Like, okay, the Diablos just gashed me with his horns. I'm dead. Like, the, it's it's sort of the game mechanic. But, like, I I don't, I'm not going to, I'm not, it's not as interesting to me to be like, okay, so this unnamed organization told me to do this. I'm going to do this. And that's what it was before. Yeah, it's just a, it's just and a now plot the unnamed. Right, and I would like to see it actually kind of explore and expand lore. And that's what I like in stories, is lore, world-building, that kind of stuff. Like, individual events are sometimes cool, but, like... I mean, it's why I like movies like Bright. Because there's a lot of world-building in Bright. The actual plot is kind of just dumb. But there's a lot to Bright that seems kind of cool. If you look outside of its insular story. I'll, and it, like, I'll say that's... Um... Monster Hunter is sort of, uh, sort of like Tolkien in the sense that it's very interested in, uh, world building and, uh, you know, the individual plots of each, of each published work sort of vary in, uh, in how interesting they are. Like the monsters are always super interesting. The worlds and the, and the, and the settings are often very interesting. Um, but the plots kind of struggle because they just have to, they play second fiddle, right? They're they're trying to connect the dots between something that's already made before they were conceived. Um, right, and I think the biggest problem that Monster Hunter has, has in comparison with Tolkien, we don't know that lore, right? That's very few and far between that we hear that. No, lore. But, and that's what we I do. It's, it's the of. monsters. It's it's the other ecology. That's that's the the world building that that's focused on. Um, so we sort of experience that. But that's highly inconsistent. Highly inconsistent along a lot of lines. And that's what infuriates me about it. Like, you know, we talk about, like, where did this come from? Oh, it's suddenly here. Like, those plot devices to get other monsters in there, that, that, that doesn't stand up, in, in my opinion. Well, yeah, all. again, because I'm saying that's, play, that's trying to support the ecology of the monsters, which is always... Like that—that's what the team actually cares about, and the other stuff sort of is connective tissue. Yeah, 
Now, I agree. I like the the lore of the monsters. Of, of course, that's what I love about most things is monsters. But the problem is, like, if they want to make a story, they have to do something with it other than just connect dots. You know what I mean? Like, there has to be an actual stakes. You have to actually get people to care about the characters a little more. They almost got there with a couple of characters this time. But, like, even then, that was sort of plot device for the next thing in in the in the in in there and i as much as i like the monsters like the monsters aren't they're they're monsters you know what i mean they're not going to have a lot of drama unless they sort of like hey uh like here they could do a story about the old one the old one horn right like what if there was a monster story that focused on that one crazy awesome Diablos that had its horn broken and the story is sort of following him, but then ends up being kind of like a Godzilla story. So I don't really don't know what they would need to do with the series to, to beef it up. And that's kind of why I don't care about the story too much in Moth Center because like I care about the monsters. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm willing you know I mean? to uh, forgive um, sort of, uh, um, let, let's say glanced over points in the plot um, for like a movie or a game that has a lot of world building and has a lot, a lot of richness, a lot of, you know, obviously uh, visual um, identity. Um, sure. Yeah. I, I, I guess I, I don't Monster Hunter uh, Iceborne is not a short story but the actual length of the actual story content as opposed to the gameplay is like about an hour, a little bit over an hour probably. Um, mm. So I don't really begrudge them that they couldn't tell an interesting story in that time because I think with game stories and RPGs, the way you tell an interesting story is to have characters that bond over a long game um, and encounter a bunch of different trials and scenarios. Um, and by giving them more time to breathe, you sort of... Uh, Deepen your connection with those characters, and they and they become more real for you. Um, which is yeah. not is not what it's trying to do. No, no, and I don't begrudge them for putting a story in there because that's going to get more sales, obviously, right? <laughs> that's that's what happens. They actually have, like, oh, it actually has a story now. Yeah, I want to play through it, and I don't really think that has turned people off. I think it's a serviceable thing. I just don't. I'm not going to sit here and say it's like the best one because it's just not like. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll say just... I, I after Iceborne, it, it, obviously I got through it in like a week or so, um, and I and I after I was done with it, I was kind of sad the story was over that we weren't getting more monsters and more you know scenes because I did want to obviously continue uh, adventuring as it were. Um, so I'm sort of in the mood for more story based yeah. uh, games and RPGs and things. Um, and I, I guess I must have done something right if I'm feeling that way. If I if I'm not like brain dead or not brain dead, but this is certainly their best effort for sure. But I, like I said, it's very few and far between that I like a story in a game. Just just the way it is. I, I don't <laughs> I don't actually like a lot of stories in games. I think uh, there's two that I really like. That I can think of. Uh, no, I mean, not two. There's probably more, but there's two that stand out to me, and that's To the Moon and uh, 
just, I've said this before, and people are going to scoff, but Doom 2016, because of how you play the story versus watching it. And the opposite effect for To the Moon. It was just interesting enough for me to actually like watching it. So, um, like, I, I don't see... I don't see Monster Hunter taking it at a place that I would be like, oh, that would be cool to see as far as story. You know, aside from what I said, you know, do a lot more world building than they do, uh, you know, outside of just the monsters. Because there's really cool things about the monsters, but, like, that's like a here and now thing. Like, I like to see, like, a larger world. Uh, like, expand on the Dragon Wars and that kind of stuff. I- there's some cool concepts. I think Monster Hunter 6, I don't think it's going to do a deep dive into like the lore, publishing the books, and extra game sources. Um, I do think it's going no. to have a... I don't think they will. ...a more confident... Uh, or, or it could have. It has the potential to have a more confident story and a more confident, you know, sort of take on the... Because it'll be their second time around, and sequels sort of have that advantage of experience. Um, right. And, and yeah, they'll, they'll be able to do more things, because um, they'll, they'll have sort of the cutscene and uh, writing experience from World and Iceborne, but with a whole game to exp- explore them over. Um, so I'll give them yeah. sort of some more latitude there. Alright. Well, I don't think we have much else to say about the story itself. I think we're good. It's been kind of longer than I expected. I kind of expected after we were done, like, going through it to be like, yeah, it was cool, then be done, but... Yeah. It, it, it frustrates me because it comes close. You know what I mean? Oh. Uh, it, it, it comes close to me to being like, I l- really liked it, and now it's, for me, it's just okay. <laughs> it's serviceable. There's aspects I certainly like, for sure, but then there's things that just throw me off, and I'm like, no. <laughs> now <laughs> so yeah uh do you have anything else else to say on it are you or are we good uh yeah I, I i like the story but it really was just sort of about vulcana and charish volda and i wish it could have had more reason for the other monsters and more like interaction with them besides just like they come out of the woods now put them down <laughs> you know yeah and even in my opinion, when you talk specifically about Charish Valda and Volcana, we don't get a lot of context to say, hey, the story's really their story. We just sort of like follow them and see them at certain touch points. Because obviously we can't see it from their perspective, right? We're the hunter. But I don't feel there was enough for them to carry the story on their own because they didn't do enough to carry the story on their own. You know what I mean? Especially Charish Valda. Like, Charish Valda drives a lot of events, but it's like oh, it's this thing, we just found it, let's go kill it. Like, when eventually we get introduced yeah, to it. Yeah, I think I'm I'm generally fond of mystery stories, so I was, I was, I, I liked the way the end of the end of the game worked out. Um, oh, just, no, no, I, it I got like more interesting too, towards the end of the expansion. It did, but I think it would have been better if, you know, we actually got well, it's all a big, you know, goose chase up until we figure out Charles yeah. Valda, right? And then it's a mystery, and I like mysteries, don't get me wrong, but, like, once we found it out, it was just sort of done, and there wasn't enough meat for what Charles Valda was doing to sort of facilitate that, you know what I mean? Like, I think maybe following him through the Everstream some more, going up to different areas, like... 
Could have been some more done with that. But then again, who knows? I may just never be pleased with storing a Monster Hunter game. Who knows? <laughs> Maybe I'm just way too nitpicky. Oh, um, I guess there was a little bit of news. Obviously, uh, Rajang is coming out on the 10th of October. And they're doing a Monster Hunter Festa yeah. for the first time in several years um, on the yep. 24th of November in Japan. Uh, so we'll, I assume at least, at minimum, we'll get the December monster announced out of that. Um, I don't know if they would announce a new will, game yet. That might be too, too early, but we'll see. I will attempt to watch it, but I also may be knee-deep in the dead. <clears throat> the, the dead? November 22nd is... Yeah, Knee Deep. It's it's an episode of Doom. It's the very first episode of Doom on called Knee Deep in the Dead. Doom Eternal releases November twenty second, so I'll be playing a lot of that. Oh. <laughs> huh. I know you said the twenty fourth, but you know, two days into it, I won't. Oh yeah, I'm sure we'll I'm sure we'll cover <laughs> that here. Yes, I'm excited. Uh, it sounds like I'm more excited about Doom than Iceborne, but I was very excited about Iceborne. I just when you're so in love with the series, you have to temper your expectations sometimes. And I don't like, you know what I mean? Like we were so like, nah, they're not going to be that many monsters. Nah, they're not going to do this. Nah, they're not going to do that. Cause we've been burned before and now they did a pretty good job. I'm sure we're going to be, um, uh, <laughs> I'm sure we're going to be, uh, seeing some things getting tempered in monster hunter in the future too. Oh yeah. Yep. 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 Um, so like, before we sign off here, like, uh, do we have a game plan for what we're doing next week? Because we did the story, we did all the monsters. I think we're going to be starting talking about the Guiding Lands, right? Yeah, um, I, um, I'm i still working through that. I think I've only, of the endgame subspecies, I've only fought Runa Norgagante in the story and a Silver Rathalos. So I got some work to do. Yep. Uh, yeah, I have fought silver because I actually summoned it for you to fight it. Yeah. And I got a gold. I don't have the Wildspire Waste near enough the level to get that, but I got one from an analysis. Um, so I could fight, uh, that. <clears throat> could get the, yeah, I, I possibly could get there. I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. Because I can't play at all this weekend. I'm out for a trade show. Yeah, so we'll just have to come to that when we when we get to it. Yep. Alrighty. Well, uh, thank you guys for listening um, to this extra long story special of Monster Hunter Iceborne. Uh, this is Fortuan. You can catch me at Hunter Tub Pod uh, on Twitter, uh, and you'll see that like I'm posting screenshots and stuff, like um, where I killed a Bonbro with a hammer and got nine tails in the rewards, and yeah, that was fun. Um, I also have a, a Patreon. It's just Fortuan, uh, on the Patreon site. If you choose to tip, if not, cool, whatever. It's just a tip jar. Um, and that's it for me. I'll see you guys in the next quest. And on that quest, where will you be, Haru? I'm, uh, at Akane's Dead Grand on Twitter, um, sharing various things, including, uh, a lot of political uh, opinions. So, that's that. Mm hmm. Alrighty. Well, see you guys next quest. See Later. You.